Coming up on the Wedge Adjustment, we will revisit Austin Cedric's first career win in the Daytona 100 along with Speed Weeks from all three series, as well as the latest racing news and 2022 updates from NASCAR. So strap them belts tight one more time. We're taking the green flag here on the Wedge Adjustment. NASCAR fans, 2022 Daytona 500. Finally, finally, finally. 103 days since the end of Phoenix, and we're finally here. A lot has happened since that last race. <laughs> Teams have changed. Cars have changed. We had a crazy bushlight clash at the L.A. Coliseum, which was a race that even I didn't expect to be that wild. Man, I look at that track and I feel like I could run around the track as fast as the cars were moving. But you know what? Racing in L.A., you know, the fans came out. It's good to see everybody back in the stands. And so, you know, that's good. But it's not Daytona. It's nothing beats Speed Weeks. Now that they've switched it over from being an entire week to only being four days long. But I think it's worth it. Quality. Over quantity, my friend. <laughs> quality over quantity. Quality over quantity, so for sure. <laughs> this year is going to be nuts. Oh, yeah. It's going to be brand new, everything for <laughs> for the most part. It is just a, man, it is so much. It is so, it is so much. So, in that case, let's, let's get into turn one with... Today's headlines. The new Gen 7 car. Just... Just right off the rip. They've been talking about it now for going on six, seven, eight months. We've seen testing. Finally got to see it on track at day at Daytona. And wow, absolutely beautiful car. The speeds are about 10 miles an hour slower on super speedways, but still leads for extremely great racing. I absolutely agree. So one of the things that I will say is, if you are accidentally finding us or you've never heard this podcast, it's because it's new. And so we are fans of NASCAR. We, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe NASCAR. And we're going to spend the rest of this race season with you. You can check in with us. We're going to talk about NASCAR news, everything that goes on behind the scenes, you know, for as much as we can find it. So, you know, sit back, relax. If you want to send us an email or a note, you know, we'll get that information out to you. But as my partner said, new car, new season, new drama. <laughs> so one of the biggest changes that I've noticed with with this vehicle, and I'm pretty sure I think everybody has noticed that we've, we've gone from five lug nuts to just one <laughs> with pins in the middle. <laughs> I'm no rocket scientist, but uh, five is better than one. And the fact that I saw a wheel and a tire rolling down the track without the car alarms me a lot. <laughs> we'll jump more into that later on. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> so so between that, um, the new rack opinion steering, the independent rear suspension, we've gone to now a transaxle instead of the normal transmission that sits in the front of the car. There have been so many changes and also a big one that if you understand the outside of the car, it looks more like it's street legal version. For sure. So 
if you are a casual NASCAR fan, you know, you're looking at the car and you're like, I don't see the difference. But if you are a rabid NASCAR fan like we are, then you know that these cars are dramatically different than cars of the past. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and especially to the one thing that actually stayed the same is actually the engine packages. We're still going to have two engine packages, a 550 and a 750. You'll see more of the 750 on on your short tracks, on your road on your road courses, most of your intermediate tracks are going to run the seven are are going to run the seven fifty, and then the five fifty will be like your like your Daytonas, your Tal your Talladegas, uh, your your font uh, your Fontanas, anything really over a mile and a half, you're, you're going to see that package for sure. So they're generating a lot of horsepower. Um, one of the things that stands out the most, and you know, it's no secret to NASCAR fans, there's always the manufacturers' battles between Fords, Chevys, and Toyotas, and it's already coming to light that there are some significant differences when these cars get together on the track. And you kind of had this a little bit last year. It was started to get high, highlighted more on super speedways when it comes to drafting. Um, with the Fords having the more rounded bumpers and Toyota and Chevy having more of the more of the pointed bumpers like their like their Camaros and, and their street legal Camrys, you kind of get a little bit of a difference when it comes to airflow, wind resistance, drag, anything in the in that space or or in that context when it comes to driving the vehicle. Yeah, one of the announcers that I heard talking, he, he, he spelled it out in English. The Fords have a flatter nose, so when they get together nose to tail, they draft better. But as far as qualifying and straight line speed, the Chevys are better. And really no one knew what Toyotas were going to do, but as we watched the race for the Daytona 500, the Toyotas were up front, out, and powerful. So I think – this race season, there's going to be a lot of competition because all the cars are generally the same, but they're also different at the same time. So we'll get you know into that more as the season goes and we start to see more stark differences. For sure, but speaking of manufacturers, man, all these new race teams, we've had stuff change around. Let's dive quickly into that. So the big thing is that Chip Ganassi Racing is, is no more. They sold both their charters. Uh, Trackhouse Racing ended up picking up one of these charters, and them getting Ross Chastain to to drive the one car, and the other one went to twenty three eleven racing, and they now have Kurt Busch. Wow! So that that's some significant change. And you know, if you guys have watched Sports Center over the weekend, you know. Michael Jordan got a lightning bolt wake up call with the um, Xfinity crash. <laughs> oh man! And that, you know, a piece of metal from the wreck wound up in his bus's you know front grill. So crazy, crazy weekend. And I'm glad that Mike Snyder is is safe. He was able to walk away from that uh, from that crash. Also, shout out to Austin Hill for for his win in the beef. That's what we eat. Three hundred. <laughs> wow. Beef. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we we don't do a lot of conversation about the truck series or the Xfinity series, but, you know, as proven today, 
those people coming up through the ranks of the trucks and Xfinity, they actually have a legitimate chance to win the cup. And it happened today. Exactly. It was, it was, it was proven. We'll see more of that. Meaning the turn three. Um, another big, big thing that, uh, that went down the season is Brad Keselowski leaving Penske and uh, becoming the, a, I would say the, the more, Principal owner of Roush Fenway, and now and and now it's called Roush Fenway Keslowski Racing. So RFK Racing, he has taken over the six car for Ryan Newman, and they still have Chris Busher as well. And they and they had a very very fast speed weeks. Well, all I can say is maybe he's an owner by night, but he was a bully on the track today, <laughs> and. And also the big announcement about Eric Almarola. This is his final year racing full time in the Cup Series. Hey, he managed to finish the race today. So <laughs> shout out to Eric Almarola in that he was able to finish wheels down and actually get to talk to someone without coming out of the medical tent. Exactly. And then the last big one. Um Kind of, I'm kind of still weird about this, but last year with Matt DiMenedetto driving the 21 car, he didn't get a ride back. He is now in the truck series. Finished, he finished tenth. But, but Harrison Burton, the son of Jeff Burton, is now driving the Wood Brothers number 21 Ford. And when I say that car was quick this quick this week, oh my goodness, that car was fast. Yeah, I mean that that Roush Yates power. And, you know, backed by the Menards, you know, they always have something cooking up in the lab. So I think Harrison Burton's going to, you know, be somebody to watch because his car was moving up in the ranks the whole day. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I feel like now with us having this brand new car, I feel like everything is more, I would say, more of a level playing field. Cause, because, like, this race proved anything, anything is possible. Anybody can run up front. And these little one and two car teams can compete with the four car giants. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we're going to do for the fans and have a conversation about is we're going to get more into the data associated with racing and the analytics because it is our belief that now that the cars seem to be equal, it's going to come down to engineering race teams, pit crews, and drivers, which is what racing should be about. All the cars go fast, turn left, so it should be about driver skills, smarts, a little bit of luck. Speaking of turning, we're going to go ahead and go into turn two and give y'all a quick recap of the weekend. So qualifying Wednesday night, man, those Chevys, those Chevys have continued to dominate when it comes to one-car lap speed, single-car speed, I mean, it was amazing to see them dominate from top to bottom. Looking at the Hendrick cars, <laughs> hey man, it's their eighth full front row start. Larson and Bowman, Bowman's fifth straight front row start ties him with a couple of great and amazing NASCAR Hall of Famers. You got Buddy Baker, front row Bill. <laughs> uh, Jeff Gordon, Richard Petty, and the late Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a testament to Chevy's commitment to the sport. But 
my only observation is if it was a drag race, one car would be good, but it's, you know, way more cars on the track. And so straight line speed really doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then running up the top 10, you had William Byron, Eric Amarola, Chase Elliott, Martin Trix, Jr., Ross Chastain, uh, Denny Hamlin, Daniel Suarez, and Harrison Burton. There you go. The young guns pushing up. I mean, you can see the changing of the guard starting to happen. So, But as everybody knows when it comes to Daytona, that don't mean anything, the three through whoever else is, is in there because then you have your dual 150 races. So Thursday night we saw them do the twin one twenty five races. And a very, very weird observation for me personally. I noticed that with the alignment of manufacturers, there was one manufacturer that completely dominated on both sides. And who, pray tell, was that? That would be the Fords. What what ended up being proven to me was the Fords, when they get in a group, they can go. Yeah, they can go in both duels. They got up there and went. And I got to hand it to the Toyotas and the Chevys. They were doing them in too. But up until that pit stop, the Fords took two tires. Everybody else took four. And they didn't have enough time to make that gap up. Yeah. And then Fords took off. For sure. I think we're going to find out over you know the longer haul tracks with this new car. You're going to be able to take two tires. It's going to take you longer to get the fuel on board. And so the pit strategies of, you know, years gone past are going to go out the window and people are going to have to switch it up because if you let four Fords get together, you're going to be in trouble. And a couple of side notes from these dual races, we actually saw 52-year-old Greg Biffle make the 500, which is, which is absolutely Amazing! You saw him. You saw Noah Gregson um, out of the Xfinity Series. When that kid gets the cup, he's going to be an absolute monster. You had uh, you had him. You had Cas Garla driving for <laughs> driving for the money team with Floyd Mayweather, with him making the field, and then fifty year old Jock Villeneuve, who has won who has won Le Mans, he has won any 500, he has won uh, Rolex, he has won every big open wheel race except for this one here, even though it's not open wheel, but but he is a very, very accomplished uh, racer, and he was able to make, make the field as well. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of interest in NASCAR from a, hey, let's get together, put some money up, let's find a driver, let's put a team out. Now, we don't know if they'll stand the test of time, but it is good to see other athletes from other sports come over and embrace NASCAR and be willing to put some money on the line, find a sponsor, and get people on the track because we want the sport to grow. And speaking of teams, (laughs) uh, the dual races were actually swept by a team that no one really saw this coming out of um rfk racing with with keselowski and chris busher they swept the dual races and they and they started both in row two to start the the 2500 i'm telling you we're gonna have to watch keselowski (laughs) keselowski is like a bully (laughs) he he wrecked so many people today they might need to put out a, a bounty on him I'm like, there were fans losing their minds. I'm like, you just can't get in the back of somebody and move to the right. You're going to push them down the track. And 
And with that, we will segue now into the into the full Daytona 500 recap. Man, you that's I think that's a big topic here. With, with, with that is just it's just the fact that Keselowski, man, I don't I don't get it. I understand that you have one of the fastest cars, but but the proper way to bump draft is knowing that your car gets gets behind anybody else. It's going to make them arrow loose, no matter what. And when you come off somebody's bumper and you're going to the right, as the car is going to the left. That air change is going to make that car spin out. I don't care what happens. That car is going to spin out. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> which is what happened to Harrison Burton when, uh, when we had that first caution at the, at the end of stage one. Cause, cause there were a lot of beautiful cars that got wrecked there. And that just, that was, oh, that was ridiculous. Yeah. The, the worst thing for me in racing is to see the strong cars running up front, working together. Even if you aren't in, you know, one of the teams, but everybody's going and then someone does something stupid and just takes out all of the front runners because now we'll never know if Denny Hamlin could get another (laughs) race because he was caught up in a situation that he had nothing to do with. Now, in the famous immortal words. Rubbin's racing. <laughs> but he took out a lot of cars that I feel like were literally at the <laughs> they were at the top. They were I mean, they were just going at it and they and they all had chances they all they all had chance they had good chances to win. It was just like I was like, really, dude? And not once but twice this happened. Twice. And Brad <laughs> had the nerve <laughs> to come on the radio and say I don't know what happened, <laughs> and it's like you know exactly you what know exactly happened. what exactly what happened. But um, I forgot about this actually. In the first caution, Austin Centric was actually in the first caution. It was him, Chase Briscoe, and I believe it was Kaz Garla who were who were in the first caution. And Centric actually got damaged there during that. So I was like, wow, he came back through all that and ended up winning the race, which is which. I think is absolutely amazing for an actual rookie to win in his first 500, even though it was his eighth start, but still. Yeah, and another shout-out to the resilience of the next-gen car. They can take a little beating. They can have pieces of the car fly off, and they can still maintain speed because – Look at Kyle Busch. (laughs) Ended up up finishing sixth. Yeah, and I mean, you know, not for nothing, but – Later in the race, Bubba got his front right quarter panel knocked off, and he still got second place. Just, I mean, these cars are going to – Oh I, yeah. I won't say they're going to be fast because overall they're driving slower, but the race looks faster. Man, I feel bad for Kevin Harvick. <laughs> uh, six caution, lap 192. Uh, Kevin Harvick kind of got caught in a in an accordion effect between him and Chris Buescher. Kind of got – I would say Harvick had a run. Um, Elliot had a run behind him, and yeah, and just went ahead and went for a spin in the tri in the trioval and wrecked up a bunch of other good cars too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, 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 something that I saw that I haven't seen in years, and I don't know if it's going to be a trend, but twice this weekend. I've seen cars on their roof. 
Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. And, yes. And yes. fortunately, thank God, the the drivers were able to you know walk away, be healthy, get checked out in the medical tent. But it's been a really long time since I've seen cars get airborne, wind up on their roof, get your engine yanked out of the front of the car. It's just if those are going to be fallouts of the next gen car. Yikes. But here's the thing that kind of shocked me, though. You noticed that when they were going through the, they went through the corners, and I know this happened to Kyle Bush, this happened to several people, those flaps that are up on the hood, they were flapping up while they were, while they're in the draft. So maybe that's something that NASCAR will need to go back and work on or something like that because, because it got to a point, I think it was with maybe 40 to go. Kyle Bush actually had one that popped up. And literally stayed open the rest of the race. Yeah. I mean, it's not like these guys have had, you know, months and months of testing with this car. And even the testing that they've done, they've not had 20, 30 cars in the pack running around the track together. So there's more investigation to see what they can do to make them safer. But I will say there were some hard shots to the wall and the safer barriers doing its job because no ambulances had to be, you know, drove from Daytona to the local hospital. I feel like in the past 20 years, we ever, ever since Dylan Hart's death, I, I feel like NASCAR has, has done a really, really great job in, in pushing safety at these racetracks. Absolutely. Shout it out is, to three. It has been an absolute amazing thing to see. But man, speaking of threes, um, shout out to, uh, shout out to Martin Truex. I gotta give him one, man. He <laughs> it looked like for a long time that he was gonna win that race. He won both stages. He was dominant, and at the end of the second stage, he came literally from sixth to first in in probably a lap and a half, and drove right through the middle, and ended up winning the stage. Yeah, and then I'll say on a a, a more solemn note, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife. You know, she's an amazing woman. She's been dealing with you know a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes with her fight against cancer and for her to urge him to continue to drive and for him to go out and compete every, every week. I think that is a testament to a strong relationship. So, you know, good on you, Martin Truex thoughts and prayers out to your wife. You know, hopefully you'll have a speedy recovery and you will beat cancer. Yes, for sure. So some of the final standings from uh, from the from the race, of course, Austin Cendrick winning, uh, Bubba Wallace finishing second, Chase Briscoe finishing third. Look at look at him from him being in that first wreck as well. He found a, he found a way to get a top five finish. Absolutely. <laughs> number uh, number four, Ryan Ryan Blaney, and shout out to Eric Amarola. Finally got a top five at. At a at a restricted plate race that that is huge for him. Uh, number six, Kyle Busch. Number seven, uh, Michael McDowell. Still still finding ways to get up there. Still finding ways. Number eight is David Reagan. He is a huge shot because he really wants to be driving this uh, this car and found a way to get a top ten. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I think. Just a testament to driver skill and ability. Exactly. Uh, number nine, Brian, uh, Brad Keselowski. <laughs> and, enforcer. And, and number 10, uh, Chase Elliott. A couple of other notables. Uh, Daniel Hemrick, uh, the 2021 uh, NASCAR Xfinity champion, finishing 12th. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., 13th. 
uh, Suarez 18th, Kurt, uh, Kurt Busch 19th, Joey Logano, who really couldn't fully get it together. Uh, he was uh, driving the backup car. <laughs> Everybody says it was fast, but fast doesn't uh, avoid Rick. Exactly. Finishing 21st, uh, Alex Bowman. 24th, uh, Austin Dillon, 25th, Cas, uh, Cas, Cas 26th, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I gotta give it to him. He had a chance to win this race, led 16 laps. He was. And then he was Keslowski. <laughs> the Keslowski factor came. Yeah, he was wrecked by him. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm telling you, everybody that had a chance to win, Keslowski said, thou shalt not pass. Uh, Kevin Harvick finishing 30th. Uh, shout out to Noah Gregson. He did what he could and got wrecked. <laughs> uh, Larson, uh, the series Champion finishing 32nd, got wrecked out as well. Uh, Tyler Reddick 35th, Greg Biffle 36th, uh, 37th is Denny Hamlin, 38th is William Byron, 39th, Harrison Burton, and rounding out the field was Ross Chastain. So, you know, I got one question because it didn't occur to me until just now, yeah. but we didn't see a lot of passing at Daytona. Everybody had to stay in line. There was no opportunity for you to go around. So if you didn't pick the right line, move to the front and jump out, you weren't going to get there. And I got to agree with that here because we only had 35 lead changes among 13 drivers. Normally we have somewhere north of 50 between probably 15 to to 20 drivers. It'll be like, it'll be very interesting now uh, later on this year when we go to Talladega. Where you normally have 70 to 80 lead changes. Are we going to have less than 50 now? Are we going to have like the 30, like the 35 that we had here? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we need to be on the lookout for that. The other thing we need to be on the lookout for is what the heck is going on on pit road? Oh my goodness. Oh my, oh my, oh my goodness. Oh man. Let's get into turn four. Uh, the segment we're to call, uh, turning the wrench. Um, in the analytics area, we have uh, we have noticed that in the last five Daytona 500 races, we have had three overtime finishes, uh, 207 and 209 laps respectively between the three. And normally within the last 10 laps, we have a caution somewhere between 191 and 197 with a red flag coming 95% of the time. Well, they definitely got red flag today. <laughs> For sure, I mean, just it. I mean, it was just an absolute. I just feel like between that and then them having a fi- and 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 I was talking about this. Um, on on NASCAR race day, there was a interview with twenty three eleven racing and Michael Waltrip, and Bubba Wallace and Kurt Busch had called Hamlin the uh, <laughs> the analytical one of the three. For sure. I feel like that is where NASCAR is is really be heading towards here in the next couple years. Because if you think about it, Hamlin said it himself: if you're not using analytics, your car must be slow. For sure, I think you know. In general, with all the technology we have today in the world, all the sports are going to that. If you look at the NFL with their next gen stats, you know more coaches are going on it on fourth down, and they the question that they ask is, what do the analytics say? If you are in basketball, they're looking at the number of shots you need to take, three-pointers versus two-pointers. And I, I just think that the data always proves out to be the thing that's true. You can't model luck and, you know, 
there's no substitute for just having raw speed, but I do believe that the analytics about tire wear, tire pressure, adjustments on the car, those are the things that make you go fast. And here's the thing, guys. Numbers do not lie. If y'all look at the Vegas stats and and looked at the betting line, you can pretty much tell that Denny Hamlin was the favorite. He's won three out of the last six states on the 500. He's led 25% of of the of the laps, which is actually 1023 total. Well, Keselowski made sure that <laughs> you lost your money if you bet on Denny Hamlin. Yes. <laughs> and so, like, your top three were him, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson. None of them really finished in the top five. Absolutely. Just bad luck. Absolutely. You know, they'll be making up the uh, distance in the points as we move to Fontana. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, some things to be on the lookout for is someone's got to get a handle on what's going on with these tires. We went from five lug nuts to one lug nut, yet somehow we saw two tires, one with the rim, one without a rim, rolling down the racetrack. I hadn't ever seen that in NASCAR in my life unless there was a bad wreck. And a big and a big thing that I've noticed with this with this change is we've gone from 15-inch wheels to 18-inch BBS alloy-forged rims. Sure. Anybody that watched the race noticed that when they got a flat tire, they couldn't drive on them to to save their lives. Shoot, look at um uh look at Austin Cendrick. When when he's doing his burnouts, he burned on his right rear tire, and they had to jack his car up and put on a new tire before they were able to drive it over to victory lane. For sure, and I think that's going to be a factor in races when you come up to the short tracks where there's got to be a lot of brake usage. I think tire wear and brake usage is going to be a factor. I think brake usage won't be a won't be a factor because also. With you going from 15 inch to 18 inch tires and rims, you have a bigger disc brake. So I, so I think the tire wear is good. I, I feel like the tire wear is going to be more, but I feel like with, with all the changes, better airflow, your brakes are going to be a lot better. But <laughs> well, fans, you heard it here. Mr. Who Analytics knows? has said brake wear is not going to be an issue. So guess what? Every single time there's a break issue, hold I'm me to throw it, it burn in me, face. burn me to the fire. So, so looking at the next week, man, Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California, a two mile long track, uh, 400 mile race, so 200 laps. Did not race there last year due to COVID, and uh, <laughs> oh, we're not gonna say the c word anymore. Oh yeah, my bad, good, good lord. But um, last time they raced there in twenty in twenty twenty, uh, Alex Bowman claimed his second career win. Um, <laughs> I feel like this race is gonna be amazing because of there's no there's no restrictor plates, but you still have the five fifty engine. It's gonna be a fast track. It's gonna be crazy. I think it's gonna be. A little bit more of what we saw at day at Daytona. So very good. So we'll stick around. So yeah, what's up? Um, <laughs> is there a race you're looking forward to um, this year? I have a big one myself. If you can think of anything, you know, I'm a Talladega fan. We always go to <laughs> Talladega, so I get to see it live with my own eyes, and so I'm always interested in to see. What they're going to do at Talladega. What about you? I got two things. I'm very interested to see how they're going to do at, um, at um, I think it's Gateway. Sorry about that. Which is going to be in the first week of June before we go to Sonoma, which is the track in St. Louis. I think that's going to be a very, very 
interesting track because it's another one of those one point to like 1.5 mile tracks so it's going to be pretty cool and then two i feel like the august richmond race because normally richmond isn't ran in in august it's normally late september early or, or, or early october right before uh talladega and is in the chase this this year it's not and so kind of like how we ran the atlanta race in the summer, they're, they're doing the same thing this year when it comes to Richmond. I think that's going to be very, very interesting because it's yeah. a hot su- summer night. <laughs> so, obviously, this is our first episode. We're going to set things up so that as you find our podcast, you can uh, ask us questions and we'll take your questions on air and make sure that you get some answers. But, you know, we went a little long today, but we had a lot to say because it was a really exciting race weekend. Glad NASCAR is back. Can't wait to see what happens in the 2021 season. And 22. Oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> it is no longer 2021. I'm still stuck on 2021. Oh, man. <laughs> 2022. And with that said, it's probably time to go. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of The Wedge Adjustment. I appreciate y'all so much. Tune in next week. We'll go through California and everything else in NASCAR. Y'all have a good one. <laughs>